Hello, welcome to the Adam Fitch podcast. I'm your host, Adam Fitch. You should know that by the name of the podcast and the fact that this is the 18th episode. I think it's 18. Who knows? We're around there. It's been going for how long is that? Over four months now at this point. I don't know how. It's probably not got much better in terms of production quality and such, but uh, we, we keep it going. I've still got banging guests. That's the good thing. So today I'm, I'm joined by special guests, and I say that every episode because they would not be on the podcast if they were not special in some way. So, right. As I was explaining to my guest beforehand, I haven't done research because that's how I do things. So your name is Nick Ridgeway. I've got that right. Correct. Your in-game name is Ashes. Correct. You are the most, or the, the, the I'm, how am I going to put it? You've got the most wins of any coach in console esports. As far as I can tell, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to say the most successful or the high, most highly achieved. There we go. I like co- that. Coach in the entirety of console esports, right? Thank you for joining me today. I got it all right. I'm feeling good. Yeah, you you were what four for four right there. I like it, but yeah, thank you, uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, it'd, it'd be bad, wouldn't it, if I if I just completely got everything wrong, considering I've invited you on the podcast. <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, this is uh, Jonathan. Uh, he goes by Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, it, it wouldn't be a good look, but I mean, I'd still keep it in. That that's the kind of realness we're dealing with here. If I fucked up massively, we'd go with it. But um, so as well as being a coach, you've actually taken on a new role within an organization that you joined quite, I'm going to say quite recently, but it's probably like been like a month ago now or something. Time moves quick. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, general manager, right? Coming. Yeah. General manager, uh, back to my management roots, which I'm excited about and with a brand that I'm really excited about. So, right. So the, the first thing we need to, we need to discuss because no one cares about it, but I do. <laughs> I, it's, it's you, why you, right? Or is it supposed yeah. to be like, ooh, you, which is like some quirky, like, ooh, woo type thing, which I, I still don't understand that whole side of the internet, but I'm assuming <laughs> it's not that. So, ooh, woo, just for your frame of reference, is like, it's like a little, like, like text smiley, like, yeah. face, but the U's are like the eyes and, and the... Yeah. Any, anyways, um, no, it, it's UIU. Uh, a lot of people say UU, and we get that a lot, and, you know, we're just kind of like roll with it at this point, but it's UIU. Okay, I just wanted to know for my own my own kind of mental clarity and, and my men- mental health because it's been keeping me up at night. I'll be honest with you, mate. Just like, how the fuck is that pronounced? And I mean, what one day I'm gonna have to try and find out the the origin of such of such name because it's it's certainly different. We'll, we'll, yeah, it is. D- different isn't always good or bad. We can just label it as as different. But um, so on on each episode of this podcast, what I tend to do or what I what I attempt to do at least is um take a look at the different sides of the esports industry to get, kind of give a bit of an insight into them. And um, one of the most underrated or underappreciated um, aspects of esports is, is coaching, I believe. Um, and I mean, I, ha- I had Taylor Johnson on. He's not specifically a coach in, in the same sense as you are, but he's a performance coach and, and he knows what, what, what goes into getting the best out of the players. And that's kind of outside of the server. Whereas I assume yours is a mix of both inside and outside of the server, right? Well, it's probably not servers for gears, but you know what I mean? The lobby, the lobby, we'll call it. Yeah. No, you nailed it. Yeah. And, and I'm really close with Taylor. He worked with us in a, you know, a part of the whole optic infinite days as mm-hmm. well as, you know, just a, a good friend of our team. So um, yeah, he, his approach is like a different, I guess, area of expertise. Uh, he's much more on like the uh, physical health and then mental health. Uh, mine is more on like the in-game knowledge and a little bit of the mental health. Okay, so so what 
what goes into being a coach, right? Because I assume it's not just keeping morale high and going, oh, it's all right, guys, it's 6-4, it's but you can do this. You can come back and, and get 7-6, you know? It's, it's got to be more than just that. I assume there are different styles where, like, morale and motivation is a big part of it for some people. But I, I'd like to know, in, in your view at least, what, what goes into being a coach, considering you're so, so achieved at, at this point. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of different styles for coaches. And in my eSport, Gears of War particularly, uh, coaches are a little bit less developed than in other esports. Yeah. Uh, for example, League of Legends, where you know you have a, a, a head coach and an assistant coach and two or three analysts and a mental health coach and a nutritionist and uh, the, the support staff around those teams, you know, it kind of goes with the money. There's just a lot more, so there's a lot more. Um, for us, there's a lot of different styles of coaches. There's definitely those coaches who are like the hype men. And when I first kind of came on board in Gears of War. Coaches were almost just a friend of the team who were there to like, you know, hold a stopwatch or keep timers on their phone and let you know when power weapons were spawning in the game. Yeah. Uh, kind of similar to what we saw in Halo. Yeah. And I wanted that to mirror more what my experience was working with coaches in League of Legends. I wanted there to be, you know, conversation about in-game information and strategy planning and uh, analysis of other teams and analysis of this team and uh, preparing practices and making sure the practices were going to a schedule and, and actually achieving goals. So I wanted to bring all of that kind of uh, utility that a coach can bring in other esports and apply it in gears. And I think that's what set me apart from the beginning is yeah. I changed the game. Um, now we see a lot more coaches mirroring that style. We even see teams in gears with analysts uh, along with the coaches. Um, and you know, there still are the coaches who are like the hype men. They're there for morale. They're there to pick the team up when they get down. Um, there's the coaches like myself and uh, a few others who do a lot more of like the, the data analysis as well as the in-game planning and strategy and working with the teams to make sure the practices are leading towards achieving goals, uh, towards improvement. But, um, overall, I think there's a lot of different styles. It's more about catering towards what the team needs or what the players need. Because I'm a firm believer that not every person learns the same way. Yep. Just like you have uh, visionary, like vision learners, and uh, you know people who can listen to an audiobook and retain it all. And um, I, I'm I'm very much of that belief where coaches kind of need to cater their needs to their teams. That that makes sense. Well, I mean, um, on, on the on the on the um, topic of like morale boosting and motivation, your the roster you've had are like obviously bits have changed over the years now, but have mostly been on one side of the stage, just looking at the other side, just going, you fucking shit, come on, where are you, you fucking... Like, that, they've always seemingly been fine on, like, the morale thing. Even if they were, like, 0-6 down, they'd feel confident in the fact that they can they can come back and, and if they if they just get one individual kill within that losing streak as such, like, they'd still go off. And, I mean, I assume part of that is, like, it's been instilled in them to always be confident and to remain composed and so well, not composed as such, but, like, remain kind of hopeful and, and, and sure of themselves that they can make shit happen, you know, even if, yeah, they're coming back from a real bad deficit as such. Yeah, I mean, you need to have that confidence in yourself, which I think any competitor needs to be able to be confident that, like, I can be the best, like, or I am the best, I'm going to yeah. win this fight, I'm going to win this race, whatever the case may be, but... Um, for, for them, it's important to be confident. And in any team sport, it's important to be confident in the people who are around you. You know, you got to be able to trust your teammates to be able to make the right decisions in those crucial moments. And uh, so, yeah, you know, after after winning so many times, like they definitely build that confidence up more and more and are able to rely on each other. And as soon as that confidence is, sh is shook, um, 
that's when you start to see roster changes take place. Yeah. Like, how, how, what, what's the kind of path to being a coach, right? Because it's obvious for players. It's like we start – no one starts gaming with, with the view of like, oh, I'm going to be in a stadium at some point or in like a huge venue with 3,000 people screaming my name and going crazy when I win $250,000. Like, that's not, that's not a thing, right? It's just like, okay, I really enjoy playing this game and then eventually you get a, a taste for being better than others and you progress that way. And I assume – Part of that is the same for a coach, but like, what, what, what is it? Was it or was it in your mind that kind of made you think, okay, I could actually be better um, helping other people as opposed to myself being on the sticks as such? Honestly, it was uh, a mix of a few things. You know, for some people, uh, coaches, the best coaches in the world, quote unquote, are the ones who are ex pros who are retiring and going into that role when they yeah. feel like they can't perform at the same level that they need to, or just that next generation of young talent. Um, I don't think that needs to be the case, and I, I actually argue against it. Um, I wasn't really a pro player, but I did compete You know, a while ago. I switched to League of Legends, and I competed in that, and I found myself struggling to balance competition and school. And obviously, school was expensive, and competition was free, so I had to make the responsible choice and put more time into school, uh, which meant I had to take a step back from competing, but I was always kind of that team captain. I had those natural kind of leadership abilities. I was organizing our practices anyways. So I figured, let me just do that and continue to do that. And somebody can play, you know, the, the part that I was playing in game and I'll keep playing the out of game part. Um, that introduced me to like esports management. And then from there, I learned more about coaching from working with coaches and bringing coaches on board to help the teams grow. Uh, and it just kind of clicked for me, you know, watching people, you know, they come into the practice, they watch the, the practice and they give that outside perspective, you know, that, that made sense to me. And I don't know why I hadn't thought of it before that point, uh, while I was playing, um, it just, it just, you know, why, why wouldn't you want somebody with a neutral perspective, who's not emotionally invested into what went right or what went wrong, telling you how to be better. Like it just made sense. And, yeah. um, I kind of became fascinated with that. My degree path, although it changed a bunch of times, ended up uh, finalizing and finishing in uh, psychology and social science. So the reason, you know, human behavior and why people think the way they do. And, uh, you know, the, the esports is a is kind of a magical uh, ecosystem in terms of the fact that we have such a diverse group of people. We have different cultures and different countries and different religions and ethnicities and genders all coming together because of a love for a game or multiple games. So having that kind of background in education made me more confident along with my all, like my leadership to be like, look, like I understand people, why people think the way they do, or I can get a read on people's behaviors and personalities. So I feel like I'd be, and I understand the games. I've always had that analytical pers uh, perspective on the games. It would just make sense to me to combine those and help these people who are really good at moving their thumbs where I wasn't do it in a really like successful way to achieve their goals. Right. Uh, so that kind of took me into that coaching role. And I came back to Gears of War, uh, where I kind of started for me in terms of esports and competition and found this group of young guys who were willing to listen to me. And it, it just kind of blew up into a legacy. Well, like um, after listening to that, it, it made me realize more. I was aware of it before, but like really think about the fact that coaching and like management are like one in the same in a lot of ways. Like you've got to work out how to speak to each person in their own way that that works with them. 
and and you've got to be the one that's organized in how in in a way to help the other people be organized you know like it's just staying on top of a group of people and making sure each of them delivers to the best of their ability and i've yeah. i've never thought of it too much but i guess that that's what makes well it, it completely makes sense when you consider what you're doing now so you're the coach but you're also uh, the manager at the organization you are general one of the general managers or the general manager i don't know the organizational structure there as such but like that is your position there um but when it comes to say so you, you deal with like the onboarding and stuff right uh, at the organization mm-hmm. now okay so w- w- when it comes to say i don't know say you pick up a team in any title psychology challenges right now and and you need to find a coach like what, what are you going to be looking for so for me, I'm obviously going to be a little bit uh, stricter. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I treat teams like they're my, my family, like my kids, my little brothers. Um, I like having that kind of open relationship where they know that, you know, I'm the older sibling. So there's like a, a level of authority there, but yeah. I'm also there to be able to support them and, and got, I have their back. Um, that being said, if they want to bring on a coach, uh, you know, I, I think coaches are really valuable. And again, like I think coaches are undervalued in some esports compared to others. So when a team wants to say our, our Call of Duty Challenger team was tweeting about bringing on a coach, um, one of the things for me is the coach has to mesh well with the players. Um, it's really important that the players have a respect level for the coach. Otherwise, you know, this guy's going to do a lot of work and it's going to fall on deaf ears of the players and there's not going to be really that growth or that improvement. So if it's somebody that they respect already, which is kind of goes towards the argument of why ex or former pros make good coaches because they earn that respect. You know, I've been there, I've done that kind of thing. Um, but you know, it has to be somebody that players respect and will listen to. And then obviously they have to know, you know, what they're talking about when it comes to the in-game stuff. And then they have to just be a responsible human being outside of it. You know, they have to be organized. They have to be, uh, disciplined and, and make sure that like, they are setting the example, like, you know, practice starts at 430, the coach isn't showing up at six every day. Um, things like that, that are kind of like the qualifiers for me. But the first and foremost is if they work well with the team itself, because I think it's really important that the players, at least for some console esports, um, in other esports, it's obviously different now that you have a larger support staff. So it's structured more like traditional sports where yeah. the organization will provide the coaching staff who will then pick their team. Uh, but for console esports where you have a team that needs a coach, it's important to kind of go the other direction and make sure that uh, the vibes, so to speak, are there. Uh, I get you. So, but it's, so it sounds like a re- well, it can be a really intensive job, and like obviously it is a full di- full time job for a lot of people at this point. So, considering you're still the coach of um, UYU, I-, I keep wanting to call it <laughs> UU because it's just so easy; it just rolls off the tongue. But considering you're still the, the coach for the Gizawar roster there. Like, what made you decide to take on a like a further role or an additional role or an expanded role within within the organization? Because I mean, it sounds like you had enough on your plate as it was. So I had a a summer where I was coaching this team, uh, the same Gears of War team, two different Gears of War titles ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was taking online classes. I was uh, I was the owner and then running the day to day operations of a donut shop in the town where I was living. Oh, cool. And, uh, I also had like a second side job. So I'm used to having, you know, a lot of outlets that I'm needing to pay attention to and yeah. organize. So, you know, it, it, and it sucked. It was, you know, 5am mornings or 4am mornings, but practice was ending at 1am. So it was a lot of sleep deprivation mm-hmm. and stress, but I feel like after that, I can kind of handle anything. 
So when it comes to this, you know, I, I love my team. I, I love the gears community most of the time. And, <laughs> and, uh, I, I think that my management skills and my leadership skills and my experience, um, I don't feel fulfilled enough when I'm just doing coaching. Right. I, I don't think gears of war currently is in a state where it's complex enough and uh, time consuming enough to, you know, kind of fulfill me full time. Um, obviously I put a lot of hours into it. I watch a lot of replays. I'm there for four hours every night that we scrim. So, you know, it's probably a five to six hour a day job, um, right. which isn't a full-time job. And I feel like I have a lot of skill sets that aren't being used. So I don't feel as, you know, I don't end the day going, that was a good day. I got a lot done. I feel good. It, it, it got just kind of repetitive. Um, so the experience and having the chance to do management work in optic um, kind of gave me that hunger to keep in that role. I love helping multiple teams. I love building those relationships with multiple players. And I'm just a, a big esports fan at heart. So I watch as many different games as I can, whether it's, you know, iRacing with NASCAR going on right now, or it's League of Legends or Counter-Strike or Gears or Dota or whatever the case may be, I'm watching, or at least trying to if I'm awake. And, um, you know, that that's my passion. So being able to introduce myself and, and work with these players and all these different personalities and, and teams and understand their games and what they're going through and, and helping them achieve their goals and seeing that success. Um, I love being a part of that. Even if I'm not the coach, I love it from, I love being able to sit at home and cheer for another team, uh, you know, where UI, UIU is massive in fighting games. Yeah, I know very little about fighting games, but I can still tune in and watch, you know, rewind or somebody playing in a, a tournament and be cheering them on and excited when they win and, and heartbroken when they lost or they lose. So um, I, I just love that. It's like my competitive rush. It gives me my fix in terms of being a competitor. So I think that's where I've like found the need to balance it out. And uh, I feel like I've done a really good job achieving that. That's awesome. So at the risk of sounding stupid, I'm not necessarily doing it for me, but more so just to shed light on it because like general manager is a very general term and kind of vague within itself so like um what what would you say like your main responsibilities are within that yeah i think that's something that uh just to comment on that esports kind of struggles with right now is i i've seen the same role called 40 different titles exactly. across several different orgs yeah so whether you want to call it director of esports or vp of esports or general manager or, or whatever the case may be um it, it's Basically, the role is working with the different teams and different players to make sure that they are, you know, one, comfortable and have everything that they need in order to succeed, and two, feel like they're a part of the brand. Uh, it's something that we really appreciated with Hex and Optic every time that he reached out to us and just to check on us and, and make us feel welcome and part of the family. That's something that I think about a lot and want to make sure that all the different teams or players that I work with under the brand feel as well. And then helping kind of guide the direction of the brand. Obviously, the people above me, the, the president, the CEO, have a picture or a, a dream in mind for what they see UIU becoming. And my goal is to add a little bit of my, my flavor, my style to that, while also helping achieve those goals. So right. whether it be organizational needs or adding structure or just making sure that they don't have to worry about the teams, I've got them covered and they can do the big picture stuff or you know, giving my input in terms of design or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, I think it's just, it, 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 it's almost like coaching. It, it changes from team to team what that general manager role actually means or, right. or does, but 
um, for me, that's kind of the main part of it is supporting our esports teams, supporting our staff, and uh, supporting our content creators and making sure that we're all working towards achieving a, a bigger picture or a bigger goal. Right. So, so if you had a fragile ego, like many of the people in esports, you'd probably be called like the executive vice president of, of esports operations and management. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, these titles yeah. are popping up all the time and it's just like, it's, it's hard to know what the job actually entails. And I mean, like, it kind of seems silly to ask about general manager because it is such like a, it's, it's a brief title, but it's not extravagant and stuff like these new ones that are being made up. And the, the title is obviously old, but yeah, as you say, like it, it's so widespread now where to, to the point where I don't have a fucking clue what people do. And it's like, I'm getting LinkedIn uh, requests from people who make themselves seem really important, but they could just oh, be like, God. they could just be the janitor, but they could be like director of operation performance. Uh, I don't know. Just out some... <laughs> Yeah. It's just, it's just, you know what I mean? It's just so convoluted. And, and to, as I say yeah. to me, it, it reeks of like fragile egos or like the need, like a, a highest like sense of importance or something. Don't like get me wrong. I, I would love to have that title of like, you know, VP or president of esports or director of esports and the shiny yeah. business part. But I think the biggest part for me is um, I, I kind of try to live by two things, right? One of them is my mom always told me when I was younger, I've said this on a, probably a dozen interviews, um, make sure that find what you love to do, mm-hmm. which for me is gaming and figure out a way to make money doing it. Yep. So. I, I, I've done that. I, a career in esports, that's my path. I, you know, we're set. There wasn't a degree for it, unfortunately, when I was in college, but I figured it out and I'm here and I've got my foot in the door and I've had some amazing experience. The other thing for me is, uh, and this is going to be even more cliche sounding, but life is too short to just worry about like dollars. You know what I mean? Uh, if I'm not feeling excited every day about my job, like I, I don't want every day to feel like I'm going to work. I want to be like, every day, like, holy shit, this is my job. Like, I'm, this is awesome. Um, and that's how I feel. That's how I feel, you know, that's how I felt when I was with Optic. That's how I feel now when I'm with UIU. I'm, I'm just super excited about, you know, potential and the players that we have and the teams that we have and the content creators that we have and the people I'm working with who are, who think about the, the, the games and the players. They're very player focused and, and support focused and uh, that's how I've always been, and it's just super exciting to be with people who who think similarly to I, the way I do, um, that I get along with, that I can see their vision, and it just excites the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's the kind of stuff that I live for, and I think makes me so lucky to be in a in a role that I'm in. So whether you want to call it general manager or the the, the player relations guy or the director of the world it doesn't matter to me i'm just excited to like be here and doing it you know what i mean yeah yeah like it's 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 so important though like to, just to not overcomplicate things sometimes and just think like does this make me happy is it stopping me sleeping at night because i'm so excited to start the next day like do i hate mondays like you know what i mean like if you if you it's a sunday evening and you're the the one thing that's prevalent in your mind is dreading the next day then something's not quite right you know and sometimes you just need to take a step back and, and really think about that. And, and yeah, as you say, if it's not exciting you and, and you've got the kind of the luxury, I guess, to go out there and, and find something that is exciting to you, or at least you can start building towards that path. And that's, it's extremely important. And money is a factor in it, of course. But as you say, like if you can sustain 
but with like your yeah. lifestyle, your desired lifestyle, and do what you love every day, then it's kind of like the jackpot, you know. And that that I almost, okay. I I was probably I'd say like eighty percent done with esports, like very recently in the past, like probably a month ago, where I was like, okay, I'm out because it's just like the 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 people, a lot of the people do my head in because because of my job role, I just hear little bits and bobs that like just get thrown about, and and then mm-hmm. you you see all the moves that are being made, like all the money that's being pumped into places that don't need the money because they're not going to do anything with it and it's just the whole state of things because it's still kind of like the wild west like it's not entirely regulated and anyone can kind of get into esports and and do what they want at this point it it, it frustrated me a, a mad amount and while while the job's cool like being the editor of esports insider like it's a respected publication and such yeah it's just part of me i was just like I could I could just leave all this now and and find something new, but it was the the fact is I didn't have what was next in mind for me to take any sort of leap, and I was like, well, I, I'm not hating what I'm doing. It's just I, I feel like I'm surrounded by idiots sometimes, but I still enjoy the the actions of what I'm doing. You know, like the the like leading a publication and deciding the direction we're going to go in and working with the writers to make sure they're good and working with the people above me to make sure they're good. You know, it's just all over the shop. And it's, so I was almost, almost out and I kind of had like an epiphany one night when I was thinking about what I like and and all this kind of stuff. And I go back to like gaming back in the day when I was really young and I was like, okay, yeah, so I really like gaming. And then I remember I've always liked writing and I'm like, so I'm going to try and escape from something that I do like when I like have the perspective right. When I'm looking at the good stuff instead of the bad stuff, I, I am fucking excited excited so i was yeah. i was nearly almost out and sometimes it's good to ju- just remind people um if you can like i'm not saying quit your job right now if you haven't got a backup plan or, or a side hustle already but like work towards what makes you happy because as you say life is too short to fuck about like doing something you hate for 20 years and looking back when you're 70 and thinking oh shit i regret this i've wasted i wasted so many years of my life doing shit not for me like you know what yeah. i mean it is it's wild it, it's it's like we're we're too fragile you know it, it it takes it we we just don't have the time that we think we do we think you know when we're young we think we're immortal and we have all the time in the world and, and that passes by in the blink of an eye and you know i even if it's just a side hobby you know that's working towards slowly getting to where you are doing what you love to do as like a job mm-hmm. you know starting off as just a side hustle or a side hobby is important you know something that makes you happy not just a monotonous nine to five grind every single day to make ends meet, or even if it pays good money, you know, it's, they, they, money can't buy habit. I, you know, money can't buy happiness in theory. I, I would love to have a bunch of money and, you know, buy whatever I wanted. That would make me happy for a little while. But I, in a way I agree, you know, I, if I was just stupid rich doing something I didn't love, then I wouldn't be happy. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the, the reason why I'm so invested in esports. Well, uh- yeah, I'm. I'm happy to say I'm. I'm reinvested in it. I just need to find. I just yeah. need to find the passion for Twitter again because at the moment I can't be arsed with it. But I know I need to fucking use it because all my. If I want to call call them competitors, I could call them colleagues, depending on how I look at it. But like all of them are using it all the time, and the reason they're popular is because of that, not because of their work. So I need to get mm-hmm. back on it, and it's fucking annoying. But it is what it is. Yeah. It is what it so is. Is a, is a curse. It's a blessing and a curse. It's a great way to make connections and. And to build a clout or fame, so to speak, yeah. you know, it's real to me that we have fans or I have people asking me to sign stuff or take pictures. But at the same time, like social media is one of the main things that like gets me into like little dark holes of like screw the world feelings where, yep. you know, it's, 
just one bad day, you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, you're not in a good mood, you stubbed your toe, and then you get on Twitter and you see six people telling me I'm a piece of shit. And it's just like, like, well, like, whatever. Yeah. You just don't want to with it. But, and, you know. and then you go back to remembering that social media matters none. Like, it doesn't matter yeah. at all in the grand scheme of things. And then you think, well, why am I using it then? Like, why am I putting myself out there? And you're getting, like, stu- stuck in, like, some sort of loop. And it's, it's not good yeah. at all. So sometimes you just, like, need to take yourself out of it and think, okay, I, well, what I'm going to be doing is treating it like like a job. Like, okay, I have, to, I have to do X amount each day. Let's sit down for 10 minutes and think about what I want to write. Let's think about the opinions that I have, like, that all matter to people, you know, and, and kind of treating it that way because socially now it's, it's really, like, anti-social media, isn't it? There's nothing really social yeah. about it at all. It's, it's, it's wild. And it's this weird double-edged sword where we need it for our industry. You know, esports mm-hmm. thrives on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, yeah. whatever it may be, and clout matters, unfortunately, but it sucks sometimes like i god there are some days where like i'm addicted to it but i hate it mm-hmm. so it's you know it's it's a weird double-edged sword that we just have to live with and deal with and you, you just got to remember like uh the, the part that i had to learn pretty early on with optic too was just like even if there's one negative voice and 100 positive voices like that negative one is going to stand out naturally yeah. that's going to be the comment that i remember on my video that's going to be the viewer that i remember in my chat or the the reply on my tweet that i remember but um, you know, they're all, it, it's, it's, you got to focus on the positive ones and that's what I try to do. I, I agree. And I'd also say like infinite esports is like a double-edged sword as well, in a sense, but I want to get, I want to get onto that a little bit. It's, it's not going to be an infinite ragging session. I think I've said it in a previous, I've said it in a previous podcast, but I'll re- reiterate here. I've spoken to a lot of people who work there, like post the, the sale and such, and they've all moved on. And like, I, I don't think the blame was always in the right place um i I don't think um that uh, well i think a lot of people got unnecessary slack and flack from from people where they shouldn't have um and and it was all kind of breeded by certain people pushing shit publicly when they had huge platforms so i'll say all that to say i think infinite esports in theory had a really good thing going uh, or at least had a, a good format and infrastructure, but it never kind of took off, or it wasn't the right time, or the right people weren't in place for it in, in terms of like the the high up level. But um, so you took on a a GM role there as well, right? Was it GM? Uh, assistant GM. Basically. Uh, assistant yeah, basically. GM. So what's the difference there? You're just working alongside somebody else. Yeah, honestly, it, I was the for all intents and purposes that it was almost like I was a co GM. Uh, so it was my, myself and Roman. Yeah. Um, Ramon was handling the League of Legends side of Optic yeah. and pretty much everything else except maybe Counter-Strike. Like I helped with Counter-Strike, but Jacob, the VP of esports, was yeah. mostly, that was their, his baby. Um, he should have been your assistant then by the sound of things. You were doing a lot more. Uh, he did a lot of the contracts and stuff like that. And right. so, you know, there, there was a whole esports department because we had, you know, obviously multiple brands under Infinite. Yeah. Infinite was the, the Infinite was... A, uh, a a great idea. I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. Yeah. With a lot of amazingly talented people, like yeah. the connections that I've gotten from that whole infinite like saga, what have been invaluable. You know, the people are some of the like they're going to be the next generation if they aren't already of like top esports people right? across the entire thing, whether it be marketing or just like people like myself in management roles or graphic designers or videographers or whatever the case may be. They're just amazing people. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of ambitious goals. It was just too much too fast. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, like, yeah, so, just, just like being impatient to roll everything out where it was just like that perhaps the industry wasn't at the right place and it wasn't the right time for, for it to really to take off but so um this is this is purely from memory i've not gone back and looked at all i could be completely wrong here and if so then so be it but were you involved in like the international side to like the optic global initiative yes and no so there was a point where i was uh, asked one day hey can you introduce the or do an interview about optic india that we're announcing yeah and, yeah oh shit i remember <laughs> and i was like I don't know anything about Optic India. And yeah. they were like, oh, like it should be pretty easy. Here's the talking points go. And I was like, all right, cool. And so I did the interview and there was like, I, I, I'm a good talker. So there was points that I was able to like kind of talk myself out of not knowing anything. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, like I understood the the picture of it. You know, India was an untapped esports market with, you know, a population of like what, 1.3 billion or some crazy number. Uh, so it, it made sense from a business perspective. I think the problem was the optic brand and culture wasn't appreciated in a lot of those decisions. Yeah. Um, you know, optic optic was a special entity within esports. It was different than other orgs. It's not just something where you can throw a bunch of names under it and call it optic. Yeah. Uh, you had to get like it was almost. I don't like. I don't mean this in any kind of disrespectful connotation, but it's almost like a fraternity where there's like kind of like a pecking order and yeah. like respect your elders in a fraternity, you, you respect the, the brothers who were before you. And that wasn't fully understood. And that's part of the reason why I got promoted to assistant general manager is because I was one of the people who was in the office every day going like, eh, that's not a good idea. Like, yeah, yeah. You like you, have you talked to, you know, have, did the guys know? Like, so it, I mean, like that understanding kind of helped me move along in my career but at the same time was uh also kind of heartbreaking to see how everything went down i think the only major part that i had a hand in was uh optic mexico the gears of war team yeah yeah um and that was just because i i knew those guys they they're literally they it just made sense from like a business standpoint like optic optic international was already happening right I knew Mexico, Gears of War was a major esport in Mexico. That's yeah. why the events there are so successful. You have a team that's the number one in their region and has been for a long time. They have pretty much everything covered in terms of travel, hotel, all that stuff. So they just need salaries. And that region is paid, excuse me, lower salaries than other regions. So they're not that expensive as a team. Yeah. And their fan base is fucking massive. So like if even if you just sold special edition mexico optic jerseys or shirts or something for the next event mm-hmm. like that'll pay your salaries for three months if you wanted to so if right. it was done right yeah. um that was kind of my thought process behind it and it like we we started it and then other sides of it weren't executed so and then everything obviously went downhill so yeah well from from, from the perspective of like i I, I really got into esports because of Optic back in the day, like playing with Hex in like um, 1v1 on shipment and stuff like back then. And I'd followed ever since. And that's the reason I got into esports as a fan of Call of Duty. Then when they expanded, I, I kind of followed Halo and CSGO and such, right? But like one thing I, I've, I've noticed um, from the Optic side, as you say, um, it was like kind of like one big family in a sense. But like yeah, if, if, if they ever expanded, if the brand ever expanded into a new game, it would be done so well. There'd be like a, a tease or an introduction on on vision, and then, and then you would see in in vlogs and other content pieces uh, these new players and 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 such would be like 
weaved in and 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 you could kind of you can kind of see like it was a big family feel but we're with like india and mexico and brazil and there were southeast asia which were like three facebook streamers which is mad to me still but um like they they were never part of it you could they felt like infinite whereas optic was all all the other people you know it was kind of fighting against infinite it was very strange to me how i I don't know how the existing or like the pre-infinite players and and such would have been with with the new additions and such i don't know the dynamic there and i know it was kind of like the content creators and players versus infinite so i know it probably been a very weird dynamic there but yeah it's just even the way they were rolled into it and as you say you didn't even know until you're doing the interview like it just it just seemed forced and rushed and and almost like antithetical to what optic was yeah it wasn't um it, it wasn't what Optic was about. And I, I was like you, you know, like I, I knew about esports before Optic, but I became of Optic very early on and followed the COD team. I love the brand. I mean, I used to tell, I used to have Challenger League of Legends teams that I was managing or coaching back in like 2012, 2013, probably 2013. And I would be like on calls with the players after the scrims, like talking about like, man, I really want to get as part of Optic. Like, this brand is so cool. Let me link you Hex's blog. Like, this is so dope. Like, I, imagine us being in a team house. Imagine us being with, like, Hex and these guys. Like, this would be so awesome. And, I mean, this was, like, stuff that I was dreaming of in 2013. And uh, I cried when I got, like, the news that we were going to join Optic with the Gears team. Like, I, I went and told my mom and I cried. That's well, kind of like you've made it moment. Like, not many people got that opportunity at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and, and the, so the fact that that was happening, and and then like meeting Hex for the first time, and like trying so hard not to like be thunderstruck. Um, it, it you know it was it was a dream. I read the book. You know, like I, I yeah, was yeah. literally like a like, does optic play kind of fan. Um, and then to see it, uh, I don't want to say dismantled, but to see it not understood or respected for what it was. And being in a position where no matter what I said, my voice wasn't heard or was ignored or I, you know, I, like, I don't want to blame people, but I felt like no matter what I like, I didn't have enough power to help. Right. And that was the part. And, and then also witnessing like, uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, like a, basically a civil war mm-hmm. internal. Um, it, it just sucked. You know, like I achieved my dream and then esports moved me to Texas and I thought, I, you know, I'm going into management now and, you know, I, but before I even moved to Texas, I was offered this, the, the management role for the legal agency. I, you know, I okay. was told you, um, you know, we want to move you up into management. We have a role for you here. We'll bring you to Texas. You'll be with the core of optic and you'll be able to stay with the gears team if you want to keep coaching them. And, um, or we can tend to send you to California. You can work on building the legal legend team and that side of optic. And that was a really hard decision for me because obviously League of Legends was and is my favorite game. Right. Uh, and I, so I'm having the chance to go back and achieve that dream of being part of the LCS uh, with my favorite brand. But then I wouldn't be with the core, which is like what I wanted. I wanted to have that connection to, you know, the people in the scuff house and the hex and to learn from him and his expertise. And um, it, I chose the Dallas path because of that. Um, right. And then watching it just turn into what it did sucked. I mean, like the, the there was just so many like tragically major moments of like just oh my god, like this is horrible. Um, so you know, I, I don't regret my decision. I regret not being able to do more. Yeah. Uh, but 
you know, it, it, it was heartbreaking. And I think we all felt that all of us who like truly cared about optic and, and I mean, like even some of the creators can tell you, like, I, there would be days where I'm texting them. I'm going like, like, what are you guys upset about? So like, I can go say that in today's meeting, like, and, yeah. and try to work that or like, maybe we can like have a, like a group call and like figure this out or like, I, I don't know, just trying something, but it just, it was so far above me and out of my control that, um, it, it just, I had to watch, I had to watch the ship sink, um, until like the gears team and I just decided like, look, this is like, this is not the direction that this is not what we signed up for when we joined optic. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, they were selling and luckily the, I can't remember his Ari from immortals was gracious enough to release us from our contracts for our requests. So. Yeah. I, I, rem I remember speaking to you around that time, actually, cause I think you, you, you said like, uh, it was either yourself or someone within infinite who i should not name who i've got in mind but was like yep yeah, yeah we're leaving soon it's been announced soon i was like oh fuck like that, I, were you one of the first teams to depart the, the optic brand as well uh, i think uh either PUBG or counter-strike and then us well, well yeah like PUBG. PUBG was like dropped because PUBG's dead a bit, bit of a different one there yeah but i think like timing wise it was like right it was like them, and then the sale was announced and then us i think right and then, then the, like optic is kind of alive in two ways now. Obviously, it's OGLA um, mm -hmm. un under the control of IGC, and then like it's kind of, kind of still happening in a sense with with energy. Obviously, with Hector going over there, and then there's Scump and, and Formal, and then as uh, and Bose is over there, and it's just a hitch. Obviously, with TST and such, and and you guys signed with Energy at one point, right? You were you were there yeah. at some point, yeah. Like, uh, and I, what's that? Sorry. We were there for, I believe, three months. Right. Okay. And and it's just and and can you speak about that? Or like, did it feel like a reunion at that point when 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 you signed with those? Or was it was it different? Because I mean, I don't know if like the optic magic can ever be recaptured. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely did. Like, um, we we signed on, and we had no idea that that was like part of the plan. Um, and then next thing we know, like, there's the announcing of uh hex coming on board and the call of duty spot and then you know obviously with hex he the rumors of who he's trying to get for the mm -hmm. cod team and those announcements and i remember one of the early calls uh, or meetings i had with their general manager um i was asked like you know because I, I kept like throwing it out there like hey like i did this for optic so i'm the gears coach now but if you guys ever need help or like want more like that's yeah, what yeah. i love i have time um, so like we would have calls and stuff and one of the, he was asking about content creators and I was like, you should look at TST. Like they do this crazy thing that nobody else really is doing on Twitch or it's mm -hmm. like a tri stream on one channel and they're entertaining and they're good friends. And, um, they're part of that, like the optic brand. And, and then I think that was already part of their strategy. And, uh, like, so that was a really good acquisition and, um, you know, it, it did start to feel like that in a way. And I was excited, especially with Hex coming on board because, I had always felt like Hex and I didn't get to get as close as I had hoped. And right. I have just this tremendous amount of respect. Like he's in terms of like esports heroes, like he's up there because he's just a mastermind. Of, like you were mentioning earlier, like when he's bringing on new teams to optic, like he did it almost like a, like a show, like a sitcom, like, like you, like they were inter like integrated into the family, not just as like a new team, but as a character on this like optic show. And so it was just so brilliant. And there was so many like, there, there's just a level of creativity and organization and then uh, just skill that he has that I wanted to like learn from. 
Um, so I was super excited and I was like, okay, optics and energy. That means I got like a second chance. Like this yeah. is going to be awesome. And, and then unfortunately, uh, we, we parted ways with energy. They, they released us from our contracts. And, um, so we had to look for a new home and then I, we came across UIU and it, it's, it's been a, a success story since. Well, my go. No, but I mean, you, I don't know. It, it seems like you landed on your feet, and that's a really good thing to see. Considering I've, I've watched ever since, you, you, well, ever since you joined Optic is when I became aware. I was not a Gears of War esports fan prior to that. I have to admit, like it's just, I, I think I, I think I owned the first Gears of War on on Xbox three sixty back in back in the day, and like I, I've always been a COD guy, right? And there was a bit yeah. of Halo in there. So like for me, I played maybe two games and I was out. I was just like, yeah, I yeah. don't I don't have a fucking clue what's happening. I'm I'm going back I'm going back to what I know, you know. But I I, I feel like there's a perspective I'll get from you that like ba- no one else can really provide. I feel like it's very unique to you. Like, what do you think like the gear gears esports scene needs to like? give it a boost like to to really like um i don't know how, how to I'd like thrust it up into the next tier of esports if you want to call it that this imaginary tier we've all got whereas tier tier one you know who they are tier two you know who yeah. they are like what what does it need to to keep it growing and such or get it growing if it's not already i haven't followed it too closely in that sense well it was so gears has kind of been through a really interesting life cycle where in gears of war one and gears of war two it was part of the mlg pro circuit so yeah. it was up there with halo it wasn't as big as halo but it was there um you know before call of duty and, and whatnot and then it got dropped from the pro circuit and i don't know obviously i was too young to know like the business reasons why i just know that it sucked and the community was mad but the community supported itself for the next i don't know how many years until Microsoft bought the franchise from Epic and are like wanting to push the eSport. Um, so it, the game died. In terms of an eSport, it was dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did a really good job, especially Jack Felling, who was uh, running the eSports program throughout Gears of War Ultimate Edition and Gears of War 4, or most of Gears of War 4, um, revitalizing it, bringing it back with content strategies and getting these organizations involved. I mean, she, she helped get us Optic. Um, there was Envy, there was Echo Fox, uh, Splice, like a lot of major tier one orgs. Um, and one of the, the biggest things to me is Gears, because of the nature of the game itself, it's graphic, it's violent, it's bloody, the characters cuss. Um, it's, a, it's a red bloody sport. It's not going to attract the, the big sponsors and, uh, well, it like, you know, the, the big non-endemic sponsors. Um, like you're not going to see like a Gears Esports event brought to you by Toyota. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but at the same time, it has the passionate community and fan base, and it has uh, just a different, interesting perspective to it, especially literally in the sense that it's a third-person shooter, but uh, figuratively in the fact that, you know, it's just a different style of game. Yeah. And I think that, it needs to be embraced. Uh, you know, the players and the community are a little bit more rowdy. And, and to me, the best comparison is UFC. Um, UFC started off as just a rowdy, competitive, the best fighters in the world tournament. And nobody thought it was really going to go like it has. Mm-hmm. And now it's, um, you know, a pretty major sport. They're partnered with ESPN. It's, it's bringing in millions upon millions of dollars and big sponsors. And I think... I think Gears needs to embrace what it is and not try to follow this, this other 
model of like franchise leagues and 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 things like that it just it doesn't work for our game like it you can't just blanket things over and copy and paste like what league of legends is doing onto gears you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh okay so i think i, I think the, the the winning formula to a, a successful esport is you have to have a good game obviously like yeah. the core you want people who enjoy playing the game because those are going to be the passionate kids that go i'm going to be a pro one day um which uh, the core of this game is good but there's a lot that needs work and i think the developers are slowly getting that to the right point but there was definitely a lot of uh letdowns to begin with right. um so sounds like call of duty <laughs> yeah the future is optimistic. I mean, we're, uh, are, are bright. We're optimistic for the future. Um, but the last few months have been rough. Uh, same thing with the esports program. It feels like a lot of, uh, a lot of things are being done in the esports program that didn't make sense for gears esports. Right. Uh, again, like, uh, like certain rules and restrictions on what the players can and can't say. And, and, you know, obviously there's, you know, slurs and things like that, that they shouldn't say, it shouldn't be part of their language, but yeah. trash talk, it was trying to be kind of pushed down a little bit. And no, no, the no. Stories, the stories weren't being organic. Like they weren't capturing the actual, like, I don't know, like the good drama that was in the game. It was like kind of forced stories and uh, the, the talent lineups were like kind of questionable and, and just like the structure of the tournaments was kind of odd. And, um, and so I think a lot of people got pushed away and it kind of has started to go down a little bit, but I think there's been a shift, um, in terms of, uh, what attention they're giving the esport, And I think that also helps give us a bright future. But I think that the key moment for us to really blow up is when they just go like, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, fuck it. Like, let's just be us. And I think that's when you're going to see, you know, like, I, I don't see why you can't have a beer sponsor or a vodka sponsor, you know, I mean, like it's a M rated game mm-hmm. uh, and you can do it in the UFC. So why can't you do it for Gears Esports? You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Like I think they need to chase down Pepsi. I think they need to chase down Dos Equis, You know what I mean? Like, uh, so I think like once you, once we kind of get back to that, like, look, Gears is just going to be us. Like, we're just going to show our personalities. We're going to show our grit. We're going to have our competitions. You're going to enjoy the, you're either going to enjoy it. You're going to hate it. Just kind of like the UFC. You either want to see people fight each other. You don't. Um, I, but I think the more we keep trying to mimic other, other esports that isn't us, uh, the more you, it feels fake and forced and not organic and not entertaining. Yeah. You'd, you'd rather have like 100 K viewers on, on a, an event, like, but the game is unapologetically itself rather than mm-hmm. 250k for like a really manufactured watered down something that feels antithetical to what what gears is and i mean i think uh, as you said about franchise leagues and stuff i think cod's kind of gone that way a little bit fortunately they haven't turned turned it all the way down yet i think it'll happen at some point mm-hmm. but like they've got like the u.s army in and, and like banter is encouraged as the hype battle even though it's sh- absolutely shocking and it kind of kills all momentum in, in the broadcast broadcast that like that the, the kind of logic behind it makes sense to me i feel like mm-hmm. call of duty as well that had such like a rich history of like having open events where people can come in shock everyone else and then they're suddenly in the mix with all the pro players you know and, and now it's kind of they've fucked it up um but they're still getting the bag so they're not too fussed but it's 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 the developers getting the bag you know so they're not fussed uh yeah as you say i've so i've kind of been reporting on on gears a little bit whereas the business side of stuff so i think there was a there was e-league partnership is like a kickoff event for gears 5 right and then there was like a was it a six-part docu-series have i got that right yeah oh my memory let's go 
Uh, round of applause for you. I'll that take was, it. I'll take it. That yeah, was, that was that's been stuff. And, and E-League set the pace. Uh, and honestly, we were actually just talking about this as a team the other day. E-League set the bar really, really high. Um, you know, that we, we have been used to MLG events, which are great. Uh, we loved MLG events. The open event feel, the, the player hospitality team was great. Um, you know, we always had our travel and we always had our hotels and, you know, everything worked out well. Um, or we booked them ourselves and, like, it was part of the reimbursement for being a pro team. But uh, E-League, you know, like, we had shuttles and, and, like, the rides were arranged. We weren't calling Ubers at events and they had catering every meal. And if you didn't like the catering, they gave you a $200 Visa gift card to get your Jesus. own food. And like, we each had our own, like every team had their own private practice room and, and it was just like a different experience. Um, so we're thinking like, okay, like, damn, like they're, they're coming all out for gears five. This is going to be awesome. And then like, it was just a one-off event for E-League and, uh, and then it, it shifted to, um, I think PGL is is doing it now. And like the. Even though like the live events are run pretty well, the online structure was a, a lot of struggles to begin with, and and the communication was dirt. And <laughs> so we got like we got like a taste of the good life, and then got pushed back down. And <laughs> it was super unfortunate and, and pissed a lot of people off. And I think that also hurt the competitive player base in, in a lot of ways. Um, it hurt the amount of you know the orgs go from thinking E League and TPS documentaries to <laughs> don't even like the gears esports twitter isn't tweeting out when our matches are you know what yeah, i mean yeah. so um it, i think that hurt like on a lot of fronts but like i said things are seeming to be corrected now or at least the the plans are in place to correct them um and my 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 rumors that i'm gathering are that microsoft wants to double down on esports which would make sense to me from the business side since you've got new consoles coming out in yeah. half a year probably so I, uh, it makes sense for them to really push the esports initiatives, and uh, then by uh, by uh, I guess a correlation to the the console sales that will come with it. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what they do. I, I'm I remain hopeful. Um, like I said, things have been looking more and more positive, but you know, it's the only time will tell kind of thing. Uh, I get you, and I think um, even though I've got like fifty other things I would like to get into, we're, we're nearing the hour mark, and I don't don't like taking up too much of the guest time and I don't like going over an hour really kind of keep it short and sweet in a sense for a podcast um I I'm very much hopeful gears gets going as such and as you say seems like they're making the changes to get there and I'd love yeah. for it I, the more titles that we that we get that are competing against each other and providing like really good experiences I'm all for from like a an esports in in general um perspective as such and and I sincerely hope um your new role continues to excite you and and as route for progression there should should you deserve it and you want it you know I I, I don't know I just um you're obviously one of the good ones I haven't seen any person have anything against you at all and I mean I'm the kind of person to have to have things against people and I've got nothing against you so you can't be that bad but I uh, sincerely I I hope you're the best man and I appreciate you coming on and um you can plug yourself now shout out shout out what's going on whatever you want to do this is, this is your moment man definitely well for, again thank you so much for the kind words uh, I, I thank you before too when you when you covered the article about me being hired um and and yeah if anybody's interested i'm uh, at thy ashes die ashes on twitter instagram twitch and youtube um 
uh, make sure to give my org UIU a follow on Twitter, which is at UIU. They're amazing. And, and Adam, they are, they are good people, um, which is why I'm so excited to work for them. You know, they, we, you and I have a lot of ideas that align and they have a lot of ideas that align with me. So I think they're people okay. that you would really like. Um, they're, they're some, like you say, some of the good ones in esports. So um, make sure to follow us and look out for what we have coming because uh, even though the world's crazy right now, we have a lot of big plans and we're excited to execute on them. And and again, thank you, man. It's been an honor. Oh, of course, man. And one, one last thing. You've got your own podcast, right? You should, you should plug that a little bit, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my podcast, The Ashcast, which you need to be a guest on, by the way. Um, Whenever you want me, I'm there. Definitely. Let's let's get that set up. But it's on uh, YouTube, figuring out all the other stuff. But YouTube on my channel, just Ashcast. There's four or five episodes up there. So check it out. Pretty good content. There you go. There you go. I'll, I'll help you out with all that because this podcast is on, it's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. I don't know the name of all the others. Is, 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 is Pocket Cast one? Is break something? I don't know. It's on all of them anyway. If if you want to watch or listen to this, take your pick wherever it is. It, wherever you want to go, I should say it will be there. Again, uh, thank you for for coming on Ashes. I really appreciate it, and thank you um, to everyone for for either watching or listening. I appreciate it. We're we're on a roll. Uh, we're not going to stop. I may up the frequency of episodes to two a week uh, and help shed some light on people who may kind of be affected by coronavirus like career wise i think that's something i'm gonna do but i've got to figure out the logistics and build up a list of people willing to come on and stuff so just kind of plenty of content coming still um as you do as more and more content than ever but it's, it's uh, going from everyone at the moment obviously for obvious reasons but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stop so yeah check out um ashcast check out is twitter youtube all of it and mine while you're at it fuck it i'll plug myself for once and uh i'll catch you on the next episode cheers for tuning in